Clarence Waldron. Welcome back to Black Muse. Tonight's guest is really special, someone that I've known forever. But before I do that, I need to tell you one more little secret. Today we're doing something called Zoom Into the Room. So we are recording this from our home studio for the very first time. Our guest is Devorah Crable. She is the one of the hosts of the Ebony Jet Showcase. Years ago, we loved her then, we love her now. And now she's also Director of Strategic Communications for the 34th Annual Festival of the Arts in Washington Park this summer. Let's let her tell her story. Hey, how are you? I am wonderful. Oh my God, I'm so happy that you're the here. Dean, the, the Dean, the Dean. <laughs> listen, I am so honored to be in your presence. Oh, come And you on. know how much I love you. Oh. Dearly, dearly, dearly. I'm not gonna be able to do an interview now. <laughs> I know. Right? I mean, I want you to. I know. Really, seriously, my heart was going pitter pat, pitter pat. I'm gonna be sitting down with the dean. He's gonna be interviewing the interviewer of all interviewers. I was one. I used to look up to you when I was doing the Ebony Jet Showcase. If my stuff did not meet your approval, I was like devastated. So you know, you you never knew that, did you? No, I did not. I mean, the dean of entertainment. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Oh Absolutely. my God! Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is gonna be fun. Yes, this is gonna be fun. Yes. So let's start at the top. Okay. So you were with the Ebony Jet Showcase. Right. Right. How did you get that great job? You know, it, it's really pretty magical. Hmm. And um, I was working in Washington D.C. with NBC News Talk Radio at the time, and I was also doing a little moonlighting. Okay. <laughs> Because I always wanted to transition into television. So I was at Howard University, then it was WHMM-TV. And uh, I was hosting, uh, co-hosting, a television program called Common Sense. It was a consumer affairs program. So um, the, my co-host was uh, a reporter for Black Enterprise Magazine. His wife went into labor. And I, he was scheduled to do the interview with John H. Johnson. He was coming into town. John H. Johnson, he was going to do this interview. We were prepping for it like crazy. And his wife goes into labor. So they call me over to NBC. You're on. <laughs> oh. You have to do the interview with John H. Johnson. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And, but let me, let me wind back the video. Because a year prior to that, I used to watch the Ebony Jed Showcase with Tom Joyner. And I said... That show is mine. I am going to be doing that show. So when the call came to interview John H. Johnson, you know, I was like, oh my God. I went in, I did one of my grandma's tricks. I stuffed paper, toilet paper in my mouth, and I called and said, I'm sick. I can't come in today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. And then I went in and, and I did the interview with, hmm. with Mr. Johnson. And um, it was amazing because we went through the whole interview. And at the end of the interview, he said, how would you like to come to Chicago? I said, come to Chicago? When? Yeah, okay. <laughs> to do what? To host my television show. Now, you know, I melted right there in the you chair. You had to. I melted. You had to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So um, I came to Chicago. It was on Good Friday. And it was snowing. And... Um, uh, Mr. Bellamy, you remember Mr. Bellamy used to work with um, Dick Gregory? Yes. yes. He was at the airport, saw me looking distraught, did not know this man, but show you how things have changed over the years. Yeah. He says, yes. you look distraught. 
let me show you how to get back to the city and get the cab and what have you. So we wound up sharing a cab back to uh, Johnson um, Publishing Company, and that is how I got to wow. Chicago. To I never knew that. I, know, I never right? heard that. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So, and you forget, right? When you're young and you just are so aspirational and you're willing to open up yourself uh, to all things that are possible. And, uh, and, and we didn't, I didn't understand anything about manifestation, but that's what it was. When I planted the seed of saying, I am one day going to be doing this show, that was the beginning of the manifestation. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So now, what did you like most about the Ebony Jet Showcase? Wow. I like mean, most? there was so much, so many fond memories. Um, I used to love... Uh, just the, the work sessions with uh, Mr. Johnson, because you learned so much from him. And uh, he was so committed uh, to black people and telling our stories. And not just telling our story, 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 but the greatness of who we are. He was committed to telling the greatness of who we are. You know. Absolutely. You, 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 I mean, come on. I, I, was, I was reading your playbook, right. okay? Yeah, yeah. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> and... Um, so I, I, you know, to hear him talk about how uh, he wanted to make a difference in the world in terms of racism and discrimination by leveling the playing field, letting people know that black people had the same values, mores, expectations, aspirations of, as everyone else. And not only do we have those, but we're doing it in a major way. Major. And so showing the world who we are was what he was committed to. And so forever I'll be indebted to him uh, for sharing with me the importance of telling our story. And while I've had a career of telling stories, this is, really that's all I've been doing all my life, right? Uh, as a news reporter in Washington, D.C. with uh, WRC Radio, uh, working with Kathy Liggins-Hughes uh, with her flagship station on uh, WOL, and um, then coming here to Chicago with John H. Johnson, the House of Johnson. And then I go over and do radio again with Melody Spann and WVON, right? Absolutely. The voice of the Negro, the voice of the nation, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then, you know, just continuing with that. And uh, now still to in, the, in the capacity of telling stories and understanding how all of life moves on the trajectory of our stories. If you aren't telling your story, where's the life? It's like the tree falling. Right, right. Did it really fall? Was yeah. it cut? How did it get, you know? Yeah, yeah. Someone has to tell the story. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and you, you're the great storyteller. Yeah. Well, <laughs> too much for that. <laughs> but now you've interviewed almost everybody back then. Dion Warwick, Nancy Wilson. Your girl. Your girl. Your girl. Dion, your I, got, girl. I got a question mm -hmm. about Dion in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, Tell me about any of those. I mean, you know, all of did you interview. You know, there were so I many. It was, you know, we were in. It was like the lifestyles of the rich and famous. But you know what I discovered is, is and and all of us globally now understand it coming out of COVID mm -hmm. because as you're zooming today and we were in your home, we were in everybody's home going through through COVID, right? And what yeah. did we discover? We're not much different from anybody else anywhere in the world. So that was my discovery. Uh, going into the homes of the wealthy. Their homes were not much different from the home that I grew up in. 
So it wasn't about the structure, it wasn't about all the things that you might have. Although it was kind of nice having the, you know, the swimming pool in the backyard and the tennis courts. Okay, so I had to go across the street <laughs> to the recreation center. Okay. Um, okay. But just in terms of the value of life and mm -hmm. understanding family and um, the importance of family, um, that's where the commonality was. So, but in terms of the people, um, Diane Carroll. Now, I put my foot in my mouth with Diane Carroll because I had an auntie who used to say all the time, you look just like Diane Carroll. So mm -hmm. when I walked up to Diane Carroll, I said, you know what, you're my biggest fan. I said, oops. <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. I said, you know, you know what I really meant. Right. She said, yeah. I said, and my auntie used to say that I look just like you and I'm just so honored. And you know what she said? And I use this line uh, to this very day. All beautiful black women look alike. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Whoa. All beautiful black women look alike. Okay. So, you know, and, that, and I use that often okay. because it's not the look, it is the spirit that is coming from sure, within. Sure, sure, sure. And um, so, you know, the, the, when you have those kinds of, of experiences, Sammy Davis Jr., the greatest entertainer mm. of all time, my was probably my, my, that was the only interview that I actually transcribed. And um, because it was, it was so compelling, it was right before he made his transition. Mm. And he was with uh, Alta Vista at the time, we okay. were in Las Vegas. And he sat down and he spoke about, you know, everyone calls me the greatest entertainer of all time. But you know, when I'm out and I'm on the beach, I am no bigger or greater than a singular grain of sand on the beach. When I look up into the sky, into the galaxy, I am no bigger than one of the smallest stars that I can see galaxies away. So, you know, know who you are in the context of the universe and start your life from there. Start your life from there. Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, it's just so, you know, you have all those kinds of, 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 of memories yeah. and um, that you still use, that I still lean on uh, you know, when to, to inform my life even today. Okay. Yeah. Now, how about my girl Dion? Did you? Dion, take... I did her at her house oh, in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And um, so, um, and uh, Thomas, who did the um, Philip Michael Thomas, okay. he was there, and um, so we. I, I think I did both of them that same day. Okay. And uh, so she was absolutely delightful. Okay. And uh, you, of course, just recently saw the uh, documentary or the piece on on Whitney Houston. Mm -hmm. But but most recently, do you ever watch American Idol? I do. The young lady that was in the finals, I, I, I missed it on Sunday to see who actually won. Yeah. But uh, she did one of Whitney's songs. Yes. And she channeled Whitney like I have never heard before. Yeah. Unbelievable. An unusual name, like, like somebody yeah. like Amy Nutia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, it's just amazing, both of them, you know, great sirens of the time, right? Uh, two different generations to know that that talent and skill uh, was transferred. But um, so, you know, again, we have those memories. And, and spoke to Whitney, too. Okay. You know, she okay. was amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, where was that? Was that, that was in New in York. Germany? That was in New York right when she was really getting started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get a lot of good memories. Yeah. A lot yeah. of good memories. Yeah. Wow. So, now, since those days, you changed your name. Yes. Was Deborah and that was Deborah. Yeah, so you really so, want the long version or the Cliff Notes uh, version? Yeah, no, just, I, I just want your story. Tell your story. Go ahead. Well, let's go back to the second grade, okay? Oh. I, was in, I was in the second grade, oh. and every they always called me Debbie. 
And, um, I, and you know, I was, you know, a, a precocious child. And very seldom would I get in trouble or do anything wayward, but on one day I did. And you remember as kids, those big pens, did you, maybe you never did this, but we would take the pen part out and roll up little, little spitballs and, and put them in the pen and blow them at each other. Well, I did that one day, and it hit the teacher in her hair. She had this big bouffant. I don't know, he's had, it was starched. <laughs> and I blew it, and it hit her in her head, and she looked up, and she didn't know who did it, but I think she figured it out. So we were um, doing our spelling tests, and I was always a smart student, and I had, I was a straight-A student, and she gives me my paperback, and she put a big F on it. And I was, like, confused. She said, circled my name. She said, you spelled your name. So what do you mean I spell my name wrong? Your name is Deborah, not Debbie. So she made me write my name a hundred times across the board. So from that point, you know, I really was conscientious about the pronunciation and spelling of my name. Hmm. Now let's zoom forward, you know, 30 years later, right? Okay. I went to uh, Israel with the African Hebrew Israelites with Prince Asiel. Yes. And um, made the discovery of the uh, Hebrew pronunciation and spelling of the name. And I said, okay, I'm going to take that on. But it was in direct response to when I was born, my parents didn't name me. It was a nurse in the hospital who said, this child cannot leave the hospital without a name. And she called me Deborah Jean Crable. Now, you're the only person in the universe who knows my middle name now. Now, all of you know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell that. You didn't tell that. So it was part of reclaiming my name. Okay. And um, and, and 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 my cultural moorings as well. Uh, so I changed it to Devora, and it's just an easier. And then the other part of that is when I say my name is Devora, what do I get back? Devora. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Indeed. Good. All right. Now, you have a bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland. University of Maryland, How yeah. did the, just having that educational background, foundation, help you? Well, you know, the University of Maryland was um, sizzling hot, being at a predominantly white institution. We had a very close-knit group of African Americans on campus. So our crew, we ran the radio station and the newspaper. Uh, we had the Diamondback, which you know is uh, an award-winning newspaper, and then we had the Black Explosion, and that was a black paper. So everyone who was over on the radio side, we also contributed to the newspaper. And uh, the big hullabaloo at one point was someone had the grand idea to take the black out of the explosion. Oh, Remember yeah. when we went through that phase of, you know, we're multicultural right, and right. it's time for us to embrace multiculturalism. <clears throat> and uh, that didn't work. That backfired big time. Mm -hmm. But it was, uh, it was an exciting time. Uh, we had a lot of... Essex Hemphill, he was huge in the uh, gay community. Okay. And prolific writer and poet. Um, we all hung out together. So we would go out to, to all the jazz clubs and go to all the, the poetry and literature sessions. And we just really had a grand, grand time. And guess who else was like there as the godfather of all broadcasting? Who's that? Samira Jones. Really? Yep. Samira Jones. Well, he was like the the, the elder, right? Right, right? And we were like, oh. Okay. 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 <laughs> and guiding all of us along. 
And uh, so it was a high honor. Years later, after I left uh, WVON to go to WLS Talk Radio here in Chicago, and he was a station manager. Wow. Yeah. Small yeah. world. Small, Small world. world. How things can come full yeah. circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, also, you have your master's degree in theology. Yes, yes. Tell me about that. So I, I decided to uh, go to seminary um, at the invitation of um, Doris Davenport and uh, Dr. Leon Finning. Um, I was having breakfast with Doris one day over in, in Hyde Park, and Dr. Finning came over. He was running the African American Leadership Program, and um, it was a portal for African Americans to come in and um, to give, uh, to learn about black theology and, uh, and to be able to take that back into community to understand how theology plays a significant role in building community. I went because at the time I was at WVON Radio and WVON Radio, Black Talk Radio, is unlike any other radio because I also did the general market at WLS. That was all entertainment. But on WVON it was real. People were coming, and it was like the altar of the airwaves. They brought everything there. And I wanted to be able to speak to the place of core belief to evoke a sense of transformation so I could spark that light inside of conversation. And that's why I went to seminary. And um, did it work? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, I have a whole other spin on religion, but <laughs> it deepened my faith and left me questioning religion, but you know, okay. but it's okay. okay, it's all good, it's all good, it all has its part. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. You're such a storyteller, even right now, the way you tell your story, the <laughs> storyteller as a professional, you did a film that you use your cell phone, can you oh, tell me about yeah, that? I got my cell phone, it wasn't this yeah, one, it wasn't this one. It won an award. Yeah, yeah. I did, it, I, it, it was at the University of Chicago, the Digital Storytelling Initiative, and um, so I found out about it through another friend uh, who had gone through the program previously. And um, so there you learn how to tell stories. And again, wanting to lift up the stories of the African American community on the south side of Chicago, specifically. Hmm. And um, so I went, and you could either do a documentary or do a narrative. I decided to do a narrative because I had never done that before. Hmm. And, um, and then so, Addie Wyatt, you remember Reverend Addie Wyatt? Absolutely. Um, sure. I, at, sitting at her feet, she said, when you preach, this is when I was in seminary, mm. you never preach about anything you don't know. And every writer, mm. as you well know, mm. you don't write about anything that you don't know about. Wow. Okay? And so you don't do a film about something you don't know about. Okay. So I decided to call from a life experience of working with um, um, uh, a used car dealer and how things went around that. And I interviewed different people who had similar stories. So it wasn't just my stories, an amalgamation of several stories. Um, but as it unfolded, you know, I had interactions with Chicago's underworld. And they were saying, well, look, you know, we can solve your problem for you. If you want us to get this guy, we can do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And this is what that little five minute piece is all about. Mm. But what did we discover inside of that one uh, five-minute piece, which won the um, Avalon uh, Film Festival down in Florida, Best Dark Comedy. It doesn't have to be a documentary for us to hear the realism of our story. It's a reflection, any, any art is a reflection of who we are and is uh, an, an examination of our humanity, mm. wherever it is in the art. 
from our, the greatest of who we are to the worst of who we are. But in this case, what I came to understand is that nothing was going to happen unless I said, go and do it, which gave me a whole new understanding mm. about crime and what the triggers are for crime in our community. It doesn't happen unless we call for it. Mm. So, and the other part of that is, is understanding the role that we have inside of any story. There's no such thing as being an innocent bystander. Every time you walk out of the house in the morning, you're contributing to the story of that day. And what do we get at the end of the day? The eyewitness news. We got stories from the crack of dawn until 11 o'clock at night. We live inside of our stories. So, you know, that's why when, when I talk to young people, I say, understand that the breath that you breathe right now and the actions that you take right now, you may not think they mean anything, but they do. They do. They matter. They, mm -hmm. Everything matters. Yeah. So going back to John H. Johnson, the power of story. Mm -hmm. And the power of telling the story of victory, triumph over adversity, how we're able to pull through to let the best of who we are shine, or how do we even get to the best of us. Mm. I was watching um, Benjamin Button last night. If I look a little sleepy-eyed, I was like up all night, because I was like, oh, I can't believe this story. So he ages backwards. backwards. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I kind of fell asleep off and on, but I woke up at the important time when he says, you know, in life, live every moment, you always have an opportunity to relive and be who you want to be in any moment. That took me back mm. to when I was in New York uh, with the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. And um, I was sitting there in the audience and the gentleman was that I was talking, I can't even remember who it was, we were just having a conversation. And he said to me then, he said, decide who you want to be and be that perfectly. And know at any given time, you can change that. But to always lend absolute integrity and all of your life force energy into who you are in that moment. Wow. And it plays wow. out it plays out powerfully. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Now you also received many awards. The Associated mm -hmm. Press Award at the beginning of your career mm -hmm. for a talk show, video. It was for um, um, the uh, March on the Second March on Washington. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I was down there and I was covering it, you yeah. know, and I was, was quite honored to have received, you know, an award for that, Jobs, Peace, and Freedom. Um, yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then here in, in Chicago, the Chicago Defender Women of Excellence. Women of Excellence. And the TV and, uh, One and, Lifetime. Yeah, Come on. it's an amazing, Come right? On. Come and on. you know, sitting across from Kathy Hughes, we're going to give you a lifetime. I said, what am I, a lifetime achievement? You know, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. So, but I, I, I just consider it being um, an absolute blessing uh, to have been able to uh, have a career and being touched by people like you. And like Howard Sandifer, who did the music for our show, right? Yes, he was. And, he um, and yes, now doing extraordinary work on the west side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, so um, I, it's just a blessing. That's all I can right. say. It's just a blessing. And when you receive those kinds of honors and accolades, it lets you know that, okay, maybe I get it, did it halfway right. Yeah. It lets you know that, yeah, I, I achieved my goal as, as a journalist, to backtrack a little bit, was always to, to, to do a story 
that would not only just inform you, if you were informed, great, but if I gave you a story that moved you to take action to improve your state, your circumstance, then my job was done. Mm -hmm. So when you get those awards, it says that you, you lit that light. Now, I don't know what the final outcome was, but you recognize the light that was a spark within you to move to the next level. Wow. I'm enjoying this conversation. Wow. <laughs> now, let's switch to your current passion. Yeah. The 34th Annual Festival, mm. African Festival of the Arts in Washington Park. Yeah. What are your responsibilities? What do you do these? So, you know, I've been with the festival in and out over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first came on board, oh gosh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, am I dating myself now? And I, I just, I mean, the magic that we take over Washington Park, um, which is right along um, our historic boulevard, the Grand Boulevard, and it, it just comes alive. It's an authentic African village that is on lockdown for the entire Labor Day weekend. So when you walk through the African marketplace, you're able to understand the original black entrepreneur and, and where that happened and how it happened and what it looks like, what it felt like. You get African cuisine from all around the African diaspora. We bring in music and talent that's representative of the full arc, of the, and you would appreciate it, of the black music global experience okay. and expression. Okay. Okay. So this year is really, really special because we are celebrating with the United Nations uh, the decade for uh, people of African descent. Now with the African International House, they changed descent to ancestry because in some circles, and particularly in theirs, they don't see descent as being necessarily a positive word. But ancestry is accurate, and speaks to the truth of what of who we are as a people. Okay, okay. So under that umbrella, it's like, what do we do? Who are we? And again, if I can reflect back on the COVID experience and understanding our world view of self and our responsibility as global citizens, because that became very real, clear, and present. Everybody understood what the young people already understand based on their life on these cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not just trapped here in Chicago. They're all over the world. And I spoke to um, Neo, um, Nico, over, he's works a lot with uh, Chance the Rapper, and he was at the um, Art Expo Chicago. Mm. And he spoke about how he went back to, to Ghana and what that whole experience was like in, in reinforming and reshaping his identity. So this year at the festival, it is my full expectation that we're going to be able to engage those kinds of conversations, and maybe that'll make a difference in terms of um, what we're experiencing in our, our communities, in terms of addressing the violence, and how we can ourselves take ownership and be the architects of designing the communities that we see in Washington Park that are truly African-centered, embracing those values, embracing and our elders, we venerate uh, the elders in the African uh, tradition there. And I don't think we do that enough here. Hmm. And I think we lose a lot by not doing that. Um, so hopefully we can restore the things that work hmm. and put in check the things that don't work. And yeah. I don't think it's a difficult thing, thing to do. I'm gonna, if I can draw a corollary between, I love swimming, as you well know. Yes. I'm waiting for you to yes. fill up the pool out here. <laughs> and so during COVID, and I, I'm, I know I'm a little, I'm a, the pulpitude, okay, it's kicked in, because they, they shut down the pools last year because they, they didn't have the lifeguards. Right. But um, I, I went in just this week, 
And it was amazing mm -hmm. to me how your body retains the good memory of what worked. And I was like swimming across the pool. I said, I'm doing this effortlessly. I'm not even thinking about it because the muscle remembered what worked. So if we work our muscle in terms of our mind, of what works for community, mm. I believe it works on automatic pilot in the same way. Mm. So if we're able to reconnect with what works, going back to our African moorings, our African spirituality, and Christianity as we know it today, and all of our, our religious expressions come from that, then maybe we can start uh, redefining, reshaping the world that we truly desire and the communities that we truly desire. Very well said. Any idea of entertainers slated to appear? I, and you know, know it's a bit early. There, yeah, it's a little but early, but I, I early. promise you, I promise you. And you know, and I, and, I, and, our, and Patrick Wittor, he's very excited about uh, this year as well. So okay. I, I can I can tell you this much. Okay. Um, as we did last year, because like we went, we had everyone from Teresa Griffin with our, our jazz right here in Chicago. Uh, we had uh, gospel. We had the um, Chicago Mass Choir, we had SWV, we had Jonathan Butler, and we had P-Square, Afro Pop. Mm. This year is going to be embracing more of the African diaspora experience. So I can promise you it's going to be just as exciting, just as powerful, and you don't want to miss a single thing. I've already extended the invitation to Howard to have his students there on site sharing classical music, mm. classical jazz, okay. Okay. you know, as we, as is cultivated here in Chicago. Right. So I'm excited about that. Right. I haven't gotten a commitment yet. Okay. We haven't signed anything, right. but we're going to try and make that happen, make that right? Happen. Okay. And we're going to bring you in, too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm on the spot. We can have the okay. dean. Okay. We have the dean. Okay, <laughs> entertainment journalism. Oh, we gotta have you yeah. in the house. Oh yes. Lord, have mercy, y'all. Mm -hmm. Ooh, y'all. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go back to the uh, founder's mission, his mm -hmm. vision. Why did he even start the festival? Well, and you know what started? Say his name again. Say his. Uh, Patrick Woodtour. Yes. Um, he started. This all started over in Harper Court, um, in Hyde Park. And um, he had a, a store called Window to Africa. And it served not only as a place where African Americans could come and buy their African garb and um, African artifacts, African art, but it was also a place where African immigrants could come and have their first point of entry and connection with their new community. So it, it became a conversation place, it became a, a meeting place, it became all of that. And then it became too big. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So it outgrew itself. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of moved around to different spots, you know, to um, uh, the park that's right there off of Lakeshore Drive and 47th Street. They were over at the Museum of Science and Industry. Mm. We were over at um, the DeSalle Museum for several years. And mm. We finally made our way to our, our, our quasi-permanent home, okay. uh, which is in Washington Park, and they've been there for over 15, maybe even 20 years now. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's grown. And uh, now we're in that phase of even re redefining the festival, so it maintains its relevancy for this new generation that is coming through. Uh, the sensibilities have changed, uh, but those things, that, those are the intrinsic values, uh, the celebration of art and culture, those things never change. Understanding our heritage, that never changes. Hmm. Um, so you know, we want to be able to share that so people know that um, 
we come from truly a place of greatness. And it didn't start and end back then, but it's still evolving. Mm. And we're still contributing. And it's your responsibility to add to the narrative. Got it. So figure out where your voice fits in. Got it. So now, tell them where to go to get tickets, how much are tickets, or their website, yeah, all yeah. that. So to um, get information about the 34th Annual African Festival of the Arts, you can go to www.aihusa.org. Or you can go to africanfestivalchicago.com. And may I also add that Africa International House is recognized as a Chicago cultural treasure. So they've done a lot of good work. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. So before you go away, I've got to ask you this question, mm -hmm. and I always do this. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the Black Muse video podcast. Yeah. I always ask people, who inspired you? You. Look, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> no, I what made you think you did this. not? We're going to cut that out. No, no, leave that <laughs> no, in. No, no, no. I mean, come so, on, Trey Buck McNeil, Lear, come on. You knew that? Yeah, I knew that. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I, you are my inspiration now for overcoming just an insurmountable, you know, event in your life. Yeah. Okay? True, true. And so when we talk true. about overcoming adverse and hard, adversity and hardship, you know, you, you yeah. are the one. So you need to know that you indeed wow. are my inspiration around wow. that. I mean, because, wow. you know, even I went through a similar thing. Yeah. You never know when, when life is going to change. Yeah, that's very true. I'm driving down Lakeshore Drive, and all of a sudden I couldn't see. You wake up one day, and all of a sudden you can't move. Yeah. Know that life yeah. is just that fragile. Yeah. And so it's very important for you to live life to its fullest mm. every single moment, because you don't know what's going to happen in the next second. But I will say this, Renee Poussant, a journalist out of um, Washington, D.C., one of the first black anchor mm -hmm, women, mm -hmm. was one of my, my muses. Um, Barbara Jordan, Ooh, stateswoman yes. out of Texas. Oh, yes. yes. Talking about the Constitution. It's whole. It's whole. It is complete and total. <laughs> I would go out of my way, yes. you know, to find where she was speaking, oh. okay? That woman was just beyond amazing. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, and of course the poet uh, Maury Evans who mm -hmm, who gave mm -hmm. us I am a black woman mm -hmm, mm -hmm. strong yeah. impervious yeah. Yeah. indestructible <laughs> defying time and space and circumstance and I am paraphrasing but look upon me and be renewed as I look upon you and I am renewed wow I am done we are done Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to click like and subscribe. Mm -hmm. Click like and subscribe. This is some good stuff here. Yeah, this you're is a good, good stuff. conversation. You're good. Oh my God, y'all. Yeah. Thank you. Right, I'm honored. Well, I am honored. Wow. You know, I was nervous. I said the D. Did I pass? <laughs> Did I get a good grade? Oh God. This has been great. <laughs>